singing that song, uh, I was thinking about my own relationship with Christ. I was thinking about what happens when, when we face Jesus, when we face God. And, and I was thinking that when, when we stand before God or when God presents himself before us, it really demands a response. And in that response, you can go one of two ways. You can either choose to follow God, which we see in the Christmas story. We see so many who, who follow God. But when we also look at the Christmas story, we see many who were, 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 were given the opportunity to follow God, but they went the other direction. You know, we, we see the, the first Christmas villain. We see Herod, and we see how he wanted to prevent the coming of the Messiah. And so he tried to destroy uh, Jesus. He tried to kill him, and we see this, this mass slaughtering of, of babies as a result of what Herod tried to do. But what we also see in this story is we see these, these wise men who came from afar. We see these shepherds. We see so many that when they are faced, uh, when, when God stands before them, or, or when God's angels present themselves to him or to them they go to the manger and they bow before a little child who is Christ now if you came here today and you're expecting a Christmas message I'll go ahead and have to apologize to you because that's not the direction we're heading today but for those of you who came here today and you are just tired of all the Christmas stuff you're welcome and so we are going to be going in the direction after Christmas and really looking at that same response that all those during this Christmas story had when they were faced by looking at God. Is they can either share their faith or they can go the other way. And so the question that I really want us to ask ourselves today as we look past this season, as we step into a new year, as we continue looking forward is this, is why should I share my faith? Why is it important to let other people know who Christ is in our life? And so to look at the sub-question underneath that, the one that we are going to really focus on today and look at for the next two weeks is the motivating factor in sharing our faith, and that is what happens to us when we die. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on that outcome, and really where we are going to be heading is the motivating factor in sharing our faith. I like history. One of the characters I've always liked in history, and I don't know why, uh, but it is Paul Revere. And we kind of look at him as one of the first colonial heroes, as he was a part of the Sons of Liberty, as we were trying to establish our, our nation here. And what we see is he was a, a messenger. And we know the story about Paul Revere as he was trying to go get uh, uh, Warren Sam Adams and John Hancock to let them know about the British were coming. But what I love about Paul Revere is that he not only went to go warn them of the coming attack, but it says that he stopped at every door on the way yelling that the British are coming, the British are coming, the British are coming. I don't know what would have happened if we did not have his bravery. I don't know what would have happened if he had not been willing to let people know what was about to come. Maybe more would be dead. Maybe our nation would look different. I don't know. But what I see is that he had news and he knew he needed to share it. See, when we look at the gospel, when we look at the scripture, we see that the message of Christ is good news. That word gospel means good news. And we have a good news that we need to let other people know. Because what we see, if we truly believe the scripture, is that there is an outcome that is not good news. Just as if Paul did not go and share uh, to all those door to door, what would have happened would have been bad news. And so sometimes the good news is letting people know the bad news 
to prevent that from happening. And so what we see here is that when we have the good news, we are called to share it. And so what we share is we share the Christmas story. As the shepherds went before the manger, as they left and they let people know what they had seen. As the wise men were obedient, as they went to another nation, they let others know what they had seen. When we look all throughout the scripture and we see what Christ has done, those who uh, were, were faced by what Christ has done, they went and they let other people know what he has done in their life. And so it is no different for us today. So as we say goodbye to a season, as we enter anew, we need to understand that the single greatest message that we hold is the message of Jesus Christ, and we are to share that to all the nations. Peter and John were standing before the, the council after Jesus had already resurrected from the, the grave, and, and they were out, and they were healing, and they were out, and they were speaking about the gospel, and they were out by the temple, and so some of the Pharisees and Sadducees were angry at that, and so they took them and put them before trial. We see in Acts 4, verse 20, we see this. It says, they said, as they were before trial, they said, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. If you're familiar with the story, we see ultimately that they were put in jail, and, and both were ultimately, uh, John was exiled. We see that Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. And so when we look at that, we see that these men were willing to go and to share this message that they truly believed with all their heart. And so we look at this and we see that it is important for us to share the good news of Jesus. And the reason why it's important is simply this, and the first reason I believe is this, is that this life is temporary. This life is temporary. We look at John 4, verse 14, it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So we look at our life and we see that this life is temporary. We know that all good things have to end at some point. You know, I look at Christmas Day, and, and Christmas Day for me, I, I love Christmas. Christmas is a big deal in our family, but, but one of the most depressing moments for me is Christmas night. Because for me, I don't know if, if, if you're like me at all, I like to stay up as late as I can on Christmas night because even though it's after midnight, I still think it's still Christmas Day, so I can just prolong it as long as I can try to hold out some gifts and try to open them as late as I can and just say, hey, you know what, I want to keep this thing going because I just love Christmas. But ultimately, we fall asleep, we wake up, and we realize that that day has passed. See, the Bible says that this life is, a bit, is, is like a vapor. It happens just like that. And so what we look and we see what is going to happen after this life. And that's really where we have to, to look and we see that we need to know what happens after we die. And for us to have a proper understanding of what happens after we die, I think we have to have a proper understanding of who God is. And so what we see here with man is we see that we last just for this moment. We see that we, we breathe, we come into this life, but eventually we are going to die. But what we see about God is we see in Revelation 1.8, it says that I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. And so what we see here in this passage, what we see, what, what the Bible is telling us is that God lasts forever is that God's kingdom lasts forever. God is outside of this time. He does not see time as we see it. We should take great comfort in that. Because when this life tries to throw us a curveball, when this life is, is tough, and when we are, are struggling through this life, we need to understand that God is outside of this life. 
And that God sees the big picture and he knows ultimately it's going to be okay. And the reason why he knows it's going to be okay is because he is where we as a follower of Christ will soon be if we follow him. And so he knows that the end is going to be okay. And so what we see in this life is we see that God is eternal, but that man is not. Now, before you go, go all, all crazy on me and think, well, no, we do live forever. Hear me out. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Hebrews 9, 27 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. What we see in our life is simply this. Is that this body, as we see it, is one day going to die. But what we understand about Scripture and what we understand about how we are created is that we are created with a soul and our soul lasts forever. And the resting place for our soul will go one of two ways determined by who we follow here on this earth. And so we see if we follow the eternal God where our resting point will be. But for those who do not, we see this destination as another place. So what does this have to do with sharing my faith? This past year, I took an evangelism class up at Southeastern Seminary. And and really my whole life as I've been studying the scripture, and, and, and for those of you who know me, you understand that evangelism is my passion. Evangelism is my heartbeat. I grew up watching Billy Graham. He's one that I have revered throughout my lifetime. I have seen the message that he has carried across the world. I have seen lives changed as I've been able to witness different things in this country and others. And I see that there is only one message that can be carried across the whole world. And that is the message of Jesus Christ. And as I look at this nation, as I look at this world, and we see all of these things that are happening all around us, there is only one name that can bring healing. There's only one name that can bring peace. There's only one name that can bring comfort. And that is the name of Jesus. And so what motivates us to share our faith is simply this. I believe is that the motivating factor in sharing our faith is knowing what is to come. So what do we know about what is to come? The first motivating factor in sharing our faith is simply this, is that Jesus is coming back. Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32 says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So what we see is that one day Jesus promises that he is going to come back, and he is going to take us to be with him. But on that day, it is going to be a glorious day for the followers of Christ, but but on that day, it is not going to be a glorious day for those who have not decided to give their lives to Christ. See what Jesus is saying by by separating the sheep from the goat. What he's saying is I'm going to separate those who have given their life to me from those who have not given their life to me. And so what we see is that day could be a glorious day, but that day could also be a sad day. And there's something that I want you to understand about Jesus coming back. And I want you to see his grace when we say this phrase. 
Because there's so many of us when we turn on the TV and we see these things going on. It's so easy when we look and we see what's happening with ISIS. When we see what's happening in Syria. When we see what's happening, goodness gracious, up in North Carolina there was a shooting over Christmas. And I saw one yesterday over in Georgia. When we look and we see these things happening around us, I think our natural response is, Jesus, just come on back. Jesus, just come on and take me. But when I hear that, I want you to see it from this perspective. Is when Jesus comes, those who do not know Jesus are not in for a good show. See, the Bible says that every nation and every tribe will know him before he returns. In other words, God is going to give an opportunity for everyone on this planet the opportunity to know him. And so where do we come into all of this? Well, it's up to us to share. It's up to us to make sure that those know. Because see, God's grace is this. God's grace is prolonging his return so that more people can know him. And so we see that one day he is coming back. I love looking at this passage because when you look at the book of Matthew, what it is, it is a direct reflection of the book of Exodus. And so for those uh, who were Jewish, they could read the book of Matthew and they would understand it because it was written to the Jews and they would see it as a direct reflection of the Exodus. And so what they would see is in Exodus, they would see Moses as their leader. When they read Matthew, they would see that Jesus is the much greater and more perfect Moses. And so they would understand these correlations here between the two. And so when we look at the Exodus, there's this thing called the Passover. You know, when, when uh, the, the uh, angel of death was going to pass over all of Egypt and, and through all of the homes of those who were Jewish in that area, and it said that you were to put the, uh, the, the lamb's blood on your doorpost. And when the angel of death came by, if you were marked by the blood of the lamb, then you will be saved. See, this passage in Matthew is a direct reflection of that because, see, when Jesus comes again, he is going to look at us and those who are marked by the blood of the lamb, those who have given their life to Christ, they will be saved and they will be preserved. And so we look at that and we say that should be a motivating factor for us to go and to share our faith. Knowing that there are those who are not marked by that blood and so we need to make sure that our friends, that our family, that those that we work with have at least heard the message of Jesus and have seen it coming through our life. Because here's the thing, we cannot save anybody. That is only by the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm reminded of that more and more every day. Because there are people that I know that they have been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And goodness, you sit there and you look and you say, oh my, how do you not know Jesus? And then I remember that it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life that is going to save them. This past Christmas, we had the opportunity to Skype uh, with some friends of ours in China. Now, this is pretty interesting. They wanted to show their Chinese friends a traditional American Christmas. And so we had the opportunity to uh, Skype with them. They wanted us, and this, this is crazy, they wanted us to pray with them over Skype. They wanted us to read the Christmas story with them over Skype. And they wanted us to sing some carols with them over Skype. And so we did that with them. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, like we were just able to share the gospel to China on Christmas Day through Skype. And that, that just blew my mind. And it was, frankly, it was unbelievable. But I looked at these two friends of ours, and, and they have a Bible. They lived in the States. They lived with our family, and they've been to this church. They have heard the gospel. In fact, I think that they live more of a Christian life than some people I know. 
yet they have not understood the fullness of Christ in their life. See, I'm reminded that it is only the power of the Holy Spirit that saves and that we are simply just the messengers. So we're motivated by the fact that Jesus is coming back and so there is a a sense of urgency in letting people know about our faith. But I think the other motivating factor is this. It is our final destination. And so really we're going to pick up here and then we're going to finish off next week as we look at our final destination. And just like anybody, I typically ask people, would you like to hear the good news or the bad news first? And typically I like to get the bad news out of the way. And so as we look at our final destination as being our motivating factor for how we share our faith, we're just going to sit here and we're going to focus on a little place called hell. And it's not really the one that you want to. You didn't think that you're going to get up, oh, Christmas, yay, we're coming back to church and we're going to learn about hell. Yes. Okay, so that was not exactly, I'm sure, what was on your mind today but when we look at this there is a a sense of urgency and having an understanding and a proper understanding because there are so many who do not have a proper understanding of what happens after we die see i'm reminded of postmodernism that is the world that we live in and so when we look at postmodernism we see a lot of influence that's come as a result of it you heard of atheism? A lot of these different, uh, different belief systems have come through this postmodern movement. And so what happens as a result is they believe that there is really nothing that's going to happen after this life. And so you might as well live your best life now. Do what you can here on this earth. Uh, go out and, and live it up how you want to. And, and, and really understand that we don't know what's going to happen after this life. And so just do what you want. It's going to be okay. But see, the Bible teaches another message. And unfortunately, what we've seen is this postmodern influence has kind of crept its way into the church. And we see people who are going out and preaching this thing called the prosperity gospel. It is a movement that has really hit home in the United States. It is a movement that has, has really hit home in some places in Africa. And so really what it is saying is this, is that God, you are going to bless me with the best life now. Now, when I read scripture, I don't really see these two things uh, really going hand in hand because it doesn't make sense to me. If, if this is the best life now, then how come the disciples uh, were, were tortured? How come when we look all throughout history that people were burnt at the stake, that people were killed, were crucified for their faith, even up until this day, as we see people who are slaughtered on the beaches of Egypt because of their faith. This does not make sense to me that this would be the best life now. See, there's some people that believe this. They believe that this life in which we live, that this life is hell. Now, there are bits and pieces that we look at this life and say, man, that's getting really close to what the Bible describes as hell, but this life is not hell. See, in this life, there is not total separation between God and man. Now, our sin separates us from God. Don't get me wrong on that. But in this life, there is still good because in this room, there are followers of Christ and what we carry is the light of Christ in our life. And so in this world, there is still good. And in this world, what we see is the struggle between good and evil. And ultimately what we know is that God will be on top and because of the cross He is on top and because of the cross we can live in freedom and we can walk in light letting other people know that He is Lord. And so we've got to have a proper understanding of what is to come if we are going to live this life now the way that God wants us to live it. So what happens to us when we die? For those who do not know Jesus, we see in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, it says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. 
Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, what we see here is for those who do not follow Christ, who have not acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord and have said, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. Though it is hard to shake, it is a truth that we have to teach. That there will be total separation between you and God. And so to have a proper understanding of hell is a proper motivation to share our faith. And to have a true understanding of hell, we've really got to look between the time period of 200 B.C. and 100 A.D., And the reason behind that is simply this, is because that overlaps the time in which Jesus lived. And so what we are going to do is I'm going to look at four different things that the the Jewish people taught and believed about hell that were backed up by Jesus that we read in his word to give us a historical and an accurate, proper understanding of what hell is. And the first one is simply this, is that hell is a place of punishment after judgment we see in matthew 25 31 32 it says when the son of man comes in his glory all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats in verse 41 it says and these will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life What we see is that the punishment comes after judgment. We see that Jesus comes, that one day we are going to stand before his throne. The Bible says that we are going to give an account of all the things that we have done, good or bad. And on that day, the only thing that is going to determine our fate is whether our name is written in the book of life. It's kind of scary to think about sometimes. And really what it does is it refutes any good that we do here on this earth. I mean, have you thought about that? It doesn't matter what good deed you have ever done. You know, I helped my grandmother get in the car yesterday. And God says, great, but have you given your life to me? It is so evident that on that day when we stand before God, that his holiness will outshine any good deed that we have ever done. That his glory will outshine any good act that we have ever done. And the only thing that will matter on that day is whether or not we have decided to give our life to him and let him do what we don't have the power to overcome. And so we see that the punishment comes after judgment. The key word there is punishment. There are a lot of different beliefs that don't believe that hell is a place of punishment. They just believe that it is this uh, desolate place and you just kind of sit there in solitude for all eternity. They believe that the punishment has come in this earth and though there are forms in this earth that, that are just really, uh, you could say, are punishment, uh, we see that sin is very much evident in this earth. We see that we have to suffer through certain things here in this earth. We see that this is not even close to the punishment that is to come. And so we have a proper understanding knowing that hell is a place of punishment after judgment. But the other thing that we see here is that hell is dark 
There is fire, and it's full of regret. It says that it's dark. We see in Matthew twenty-two thirteen. it says, Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It says that there is fire. Matthew 13, 49 and 50, it says, So it will be at the end of the age the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the one that gets me more than anything else is this one, is that when you are in hell, that there is a regret Because see, when you are in hell, you don't forget the life that you lived. You don't forget the decisions that you made. When you are in hell, you have an understanding of what you have done on this earth. And even in hell, you'll have an understanding knowing that I could have given my life to Christ. We see in Luke 16, 24, it says, In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. We cannot comprehend this type of punishment. We cannot comprehend this type of pain. The only thirst that I know of is the thirst that I have after we were doing uh, wind sprints in high school. When you're so thirsty and your coach says, suck it up. That doesn't come close to the thirst that we see here. That comes for those who do not follow Christ. When I was probably about 10 years old, we would go up to Washington, D.C. My aunt and uncle lived up that way with my uh, two cousins. And so from time to time, we would go up there and visit them and, and make a trip out of it. And on the way, we would always stop at a, a place just to try to make it fun. And then on the way home, we'd always stop somewhere just to try to make it fun as well. So that way you're not just stuck in the car for all those hours driving. One of the places that I remember was in Kentucky. We went into one of the caves there, and we went about 500 feet uh, underneath the mountain area there. And, and I remember while we were down there that the person said, put your palm in front of your face. And so I said, okay. And they cut off the lights. Because it was so dark, you couldn't even see your palm in front of your face when they cut the lights off in that cave, I'll never forget in that moment as I'm sitting there, a little kid, my mom leans over, whispers in my ear, this is what hell's like. I'm just like, thank you, mom. Love you too. So I'm like freaked out the rest of the day, just wanting to know, okay, what does she mean by this? And so I asked her, and it backed up exactly what we talked about there. She even goes on to tell me, she said, you know, it's dark, but there's fire everywhere, and you don't know when it's going to get you. That changed my life. And I knew that in that moment, I was even more thankful for what Christ did to save me. So we see the punishment that takes place in hell, but we also see that hell is eternal. Again, verse 46, Matthew 25, it says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we see that hell is not just something that lasts for a little moment. You don't just go to this place of punishment for a time and then you're given another opportunity to get out. 
No, the Bible is very explicit that it is eternal. But on the other side, that there is eternal life in Christ. But here's the last thing that I want you to see. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Hell was not created for humans. Matthew 25, 41, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, listen, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, this brings the truth that we have to understand is that God never intended for humans to go to hell. We look in the scripture and we see the fallen angel Lucifer, who is Satan, who said, I want to be God. And so God, being the gentleman that he is, said, okay. And he made hell. See, when we look in the scripture and we see the throne room of God, one of my favorite passages in Isaiah, what we see is, is that God's presence is like a furnace. He is so glorified that we see the, the smoke coming out the temple. And we see that his presence is like this mighty fire. And so Satan said, okay, you want to be me? Great. I mean, God said, you want to be me? Great. You can't handle me because I am God. And so he gave him what he wanted, and that is hell. And so the punishment for hell was not made for us. It was made for Satan, and it was made for the third of the angels that said that they wanted to follow Satan. And so really what this is, because of our disobedience and saying that we would rather follow the ways of Satan, that we would rather follow the ways of this world, what we are really doing is this sick game of follow the leader, which is taking us right into hell. And so you've got to understand is that God does not intend for us to go there. God's intention was for us to be in a full relationship with him. That is why he created us in full fellowship with him in the Garden of Eden. And it was our separation, it was our disobedience that led us away. And as a result of our disobedience, we are now held subject to hell. But God said that's not good enough because he loves us so much that he came to take us away from that. And so that is the beauty of the cross. That is the beauty of the resurrection. And that is the hope that is found in Christ. And so what is God's heartbeat in all of this? It says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The punishment of hell is a punishment that we gave ourselves. It is not the punishment that God intended because God never intended there to be punishment at all. God's intention from the start was to walk in full fellowship with him and it is still his intention today and the only way that that message will be known is through us so why share our faith because there is a world that is desperate for a savior and we have the good news. I looked at ecology.com and was curious about 
the death rate as I was looking for this message and I found these statistics. It says that 55.3 million people die each year. It says that 151,600 people die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. And nearly two people die each second. According to those calculations, there are a lot of people right now who are dying and going to hell. Yet we don't want to tell them about Christ because we're afraid that they're going to tell us to shut up. Or we're afraid that they're not going to want to hang out with us. And we just let them pass us by. If you want to start off this new year right, come to the Savior. Come to the King. And let the world know that He is alive and alive in you. Thank you.